This is the Plain English Real Estate Show with your host, Rowena Patton, a show that focuses on the real estate market in terms you can easily understand. Call Rowena now. The number is 240-9962 or 1-800-570-9962. Now here's the English girl in the mountains, the agent that I would trust, Rowena Patton. Good morning. This is Tyler Malore joined by William Morrison for Asheville Real Estate News Radio. How are you doing this morning, Will? Oh, I'm doing good. Hello, Asheville. Um, no complaints. It is a, another beautiful day out here, uh, sunny and 75. Ooh, are, is that actually true or is that just a nice little uh, ring to it? I, mostly has a nice little ring to it. Randy, what's the weather outside? What do you You're think? You're close. 72. 72. Ooh, there we go. Nice little cool morning. Nice. Better well, than my yesterday. Ooh. Well, how so? Just too oh, hot? No. We went out for the date night. Me and the lady went oh, to yeah. Montford Players Park. Got mm-hmm. all set up with our, our lawn chair. If you guys haven't been, uh, it's it's awesome. Okay. But so we had our lawn chair. You're allowed to bring drinks, all that stuff, mm-hmm. cheese platter, the whole nine yards. And it starts pouring. Yeah. We were there for maybe five minutes before we had to pack it up and take off. Dang, dang. I'd just gone to Carrier Park and was there for maybe like 10, 20 minutes. And then just a light drizzle. It was like, oh, people saw it like coming. They're like, oh, that's rain over there. It's like, yeah, it does look like it's going to be raining. Uh, then just <laughs> complete monsoon. Like, an incredible amount of rain. And I even watered my yard that same day. I was like, man, <laughs> I'm, I weed-eat it. I was like, this yard is looking pretty crispy. It's time to get some water on it. And, yep. Guys, if you didn't listen to our last uh, episode, uh, between Tyler and I, we both put a lot of work into our, our yard. <laughs> and maybe it's time for an update. Tyler, how is your yard looking? Mm, that is a good question. Okay, so the backyard, that's been the one that's been, been defeating me. You know, I, I told you I've had a lot of success so far. It looks like a beautiful meadow. Um, there's more shade back there there's more shade back there there's always been work so there's like a deck that was built recently and then that destroyed the grass that i tried to you know sow last year Mm. um so i kind of started at like square one it's looking great um and i've got it blocked off from both of our dogs because they don't seem to love uh, my grass growing (laughs) either um so that looks great back there but then the little section that i've kind of cut out for them to enjoy themselves and you know let themselves use the restroom is now just barren there is absolutely (laughs) nothing so yes i do have a little bit of nice yard but uh, on the other side there's a very very desolate piece of what was a dusty clay area which is probably just a mud pit this morning yeah well i feel like you should be proud of that you know you, you're controlling what's in your control and that is thriving and mm-hmm. you dogs are going to do what dogs do yeah, you know yeah yeah tell me about your clover yard how's your clover experiment experiment and if you need to go back listen to our previous podcast uh i think it's <laughs> something to do uh with yards and we talk about real estate sometimes but mostly our yards yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so we had a little bit of a uh, hot streak here in Asheville for maybe two weeks we were in the 90 degree weather. Uh, that's about when I stopped watering my yard, my yard, kind of giving up hope on that. Uh, so today, if you look at it, uh, the clover is thriving, healthy as can be, uh, thick, um, perfectly green and the grass, not so much. So <laughs> I would, I would say it's a win still, but, um, you know, it's not as good as it could be. Yeah. But for people that didn't hear last time, tell us a little bit about why you planted clover. Cause I think this is helpful and very informative. Yeah. Uh, clover adds nitrogen to the grass, um, which, you know, grass over time will slowly deplete that. And so it just makes it a little bit more self-sustaining over time. So for those, uh, grass growers out there, uh, throw a little clover in there. Nice. Some would say it's a weed, but some would say it, uh, does really well in southern temps. Yeah. And in the interim, you know, as you can't grow grass that effectively, it's, you know, no big deal. You know, in the next couple of years when you're actually able to successfully sow some grass, maybe you can start weeding out the clover. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a pretty good plan. <laughs> well, uh, here we are, 4th of July weekend. Uh, feel free to give us a call in to the radio. We would love to chat with you about anything and if it happens to involve real estate, fantastic. If it doesn't, we're also happy to chat with you about that. Uh, so give us a call, 828-240-9962 or 1-800-570-WWNC. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So. Speaking of uh, the fourth, Randy, do you have any good plans over there? Nothing major. Uh, radio goes on, so I'll be working. But uh, looking forward to uh, enjoying some outdoor time. It's just 
top shelf this time of the year. 72 degrees. That's Chamber of Commerce weather. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's nice. I think we are planning on doing a little, we do a traditional float down the French Broad. Uh, me and all my friends in Asheville or slash everyone else in Asheville. Um, but you'll, you'll get in the water and there are literally hundreds of tubes floating down the river at the same time. And it's, it's just a party. It's a really good time. If <laughs> you guys need a free activity, just bring a, uh, an extra float for your cooler. And then, uh, you, you know, you put in and you start listening to the guys next to you music. And if you don't like it, you just paddle over to the other party next to you and <laughs> hang out with them. <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what we're doing today. That's our party. We're racing out of here. We got to get down to French broad outfitters. I think at 1130 and then we'll we'll do the floats. We've got about like ten or twelve people. We've all got paddle boards, a couple oh, nice. tubes, so we'll like latch them onto us, which kind of allows you to get cover a little bit more distance. And then we get to be the obnoxious people with the loud music because we have a lot more deck space. So you know, maybe we'll even play cornhole. Who knows? You can play cornhole on your your floats. No, no, no. I haven't figured that out yet. But I have figured <laughs> out how to adhere a lawn chair onto my paddle board. So I, I put a lawn chair on my paddle board. Oh, I got a kayak a paddle. So I just sit there. The visual mm, cooler with yeah. just waters on the front. <laughs> um, we get some sandwiches, and you know, it's a good time. That does sound like a good time. Yeah, it'll be a little murky. I would say E. coli is going to be quite high today with all. Of this rain Heat. in the runoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is go early because thunderstorms like a sixty percent chance of those in the afternoon and evening hours all through the weekend. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I think it's pushed off today. <clears throat> it was supposed to come in a little bit earlier, so it looks like we'll at least get half of our float outside of the monsoon. Uh, second half might be. How long is that section you're doing? Uh, it really just depends on how well the water's running. Like it's typically yeah. about three hours on a paddleboard. I think if you were so on, maybe a little faster today. Yeah, probably a little bit faster. And it just depends on how much you're paddling. And you know, we're like I said, we're with tubes, so those are natural anchors. So it might be a little bit slower. But yeah, good time. I did see a stat recently saying how much uh, profit or income the French broad generates. And I don't want to misspeak, but it's something outrageous. It was like $500 million a year. Oh my gosh. Um, From floating it? Various activities, rafts, tubing, I assume maybe some fishing guides. I don't yeah, know sure. how many fishing guides yeah. that use French broad. But Hotels that people can, can yeah. come and stay except yeah. for restaurants. It's, you know, if you're not from um, North Carolina, it's kind of a unique thing to have a river that you can jumping and float down you know like i think we take it for granted because i don't know about you but grew up floating rivers <laughs> but if you're coming from you know say i don't know uh idaho florida uh, georgia maybe that's not as much of a thing who knows so here we are and this is why it's nuts and now i can actually speak with a little bit of certainty 3.8 billion dollars b b this is april 2022 20, wow. a stat uh, Amazing. that's each year 3.8 billion dollars each year um i'm sure that's like the whole stretch of it um but still that is a significant sum uh like 2830 miles and 3.8 billion dollars you know they're charging like 30 dollars a tube now on the french broad oh really yeah i think i think we should set up a hot dog stand Ooh, or maybe well, like a, right. a drink booth or something you know Ooh, i like it i like it. i think we could do a floating ice maker in the middle of the French Broad because Ooh. people, their you know, their coolers run empty, maybe need <laughs> refills, um, and that's a real niche group. You realize you yeah, have to you have to paddle upstream to get you know the majority of people. So I'm thinking you just post up, start paddling upstream, <laughs> and you just toss out toss out drinks as needed. So I did that once because <laughs> we we pay for a shuttle and you know it's what twenty was bucks. Your bond? <laughs> what? How much did it cost you to get out of jail? <laughs> We, we, we started at the bottom, we got our paddle boards in the water, and we started hoofing it, just did everything we could. We maybe got 10 feet up the river, and we were just like, nope. <laughs> Great in theory, not in practice. Oh, that's oh. Maybe there was a monsoon the day before, I don't remember how well the water was running. Maybe on a different day it's possible. But on our wide deck paddle boards, that's not the vessel to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most efficient. No, 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 not, not by any means. But That's funny. Yeah, so I think that's uh, all I can really talk about the French broad. I think that's all the content I got. <laughs> 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 well, you know, uh, thinking about all the way 
the whole thing through. The headwaters up in Transylvania County, and then it all all the way to Lake Douglas. Is that right? Newport, Tennessee. So that's a long stretch. A lot of lot of dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd say so. That's significant. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> let's uh let's talk about some real estate tra- trends because the market is shifting so quickly. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of on top of everyone's mind in terms of buying and selling. Um, so I'm looking at a, a statistical model for Buncombe County. And again, the average price point at this point or median price point is, um, you know, 350 to 450 is kind of the range. We've been seeing it fluctuate through. Um, so in the last month, uh, no surprise to anybody, we've actually seen an increase in listings. Um, so looking at uh, May... In Buncombe County, there's 192. Now, on average, there's 213. So we are seeing an increase in listings. Um, you know, likely maybe due to uh, property sit on the market a little bit longer. Um, it being summertime, this is traditionally a time that people are listing their houses. Um, so you know, many reasons there, interest rates potentially. Um, so then, if we bump over to our month supply, uh, we kind of see the same same thing there. So. Uh, We've got about 1.1 month of supply in um, May, and now that's bumped up to 1.2. So our supply is increasing, which is, you know, it's it's honestly, it's a sign of a healthy market. Um, so looking over at the sales price, um, so it looks like last month um, in Buncombe County, the median sales price was 400, um, and it's recently gone down to, 385,000. So we are seeing a decrease there, which I thought was interesting. Tyler, any, any thoughts on why that would be? Uh, <clears throat> I think just naturally, you know, with interest rates on the rise, affordability just becomes much of a problem for everybody, you know, especially as you get into higher price points, you can only afford so much. And, you know, just even through looking at my emails, um, seeing the contracts that are falling out, uh, mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of updates, you know, X address falls out due to financing issues. And sometimes it's because you can't close on the property because of, you know, FHA, VA, you have too many conditions. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But then also sometimes the affordability just changes through that process. And and you conclude that like, hey, this isn't going to be feasible anymore. Um, Yeah, totally. And I've noticed too that um, agents are dropping prices quickly now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think traditionally, you know, it'd be on the market for 20, 30 days uh, before COVID mm-hmm. uh, that, that an agent might drop the price where now it's like if they sit longer than, you know, five, six days, the price is coming down. Well, I think it's the 2021, 2020 mentality. Like you see something sitting for a week and you're like, hey, Will, I see this property. I like it. But, you know, it's been sitting for a week. Like what's wrong with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just so used to anything that's of value and people desire. It's gone next one day. Uh, maybe three days if they go to highest and best, uh, multiple offer situation. But um, and I think that's the reason you have to be a lot more aggressive with your price drops, uh, trying to build activity. You know, there's other marketing you can do, but ultimately uh, showing that your seller is motivated is one of the more productive ways to get more buyers into that property. Yeah. And if you're the only agent who's not dropping their price, you know, you're almost kind of getting left behind Mm -hmm. in terms of marketing because, you know, each one of those price drops brings your property to the forefront again. And, you know, if you're not doing that, it's, it's easier just not to be, to be seen. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And it depends on your level of patience as a seller. If there's some sellers out there like, Hey, if it sells fantastic, great. If it doesn't, you know, we're not really interested in selling anything below that. Um, and if that's the perspective you carry, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to be prepared for maybe a little bit more days on market. Um, or you may not get that price this go around. But, you know, ultimately everything is a cycle. Uh, we will potentially see some correction, maybe just plateau. Uh, but ultimately we will continue to see some greater appreciation. So if you have this hard line number, you know, you need that. Stick to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought this stat was interesting. Percent of original price. Um, so back in um, May, it was around 102.2 uh, percent. So you know that just means that um, you were getting over what you were listing your house at. Um, and so that's always a good thing in a seller's market. Um, it is decreasing down to 101.3 percent. So buyers out there, you know, that means you know instead of having to offer above and beyond at you know two, three, four percent over. 
um, you can start talking to your agent about being a little less um, daring with those above and beyond offers. Only slightly, though, because they're still going, you know, over by 1.3%, but something to keep in mind. Yeah, and that's over the market. <clears throat> if you go into specific neighborhoods, this is going to change pretty drastically. Um, there's neighborhoods like in Asheville that just are really sought after. Uh, you talk about, like, the Kimberly Avenues, the mm-hmm. Beaver Dam neighborhoods. Montford. Montford, West Asheville. Um, areas that you don't see a lot of inventory turnover, um, there's just a lot less opportunity to get into those neighborhoods. Um, so there's generally a lot more people on the sidelines saying, you know, I'm looking, but really just looking for this particular setup. Um, mm-hmm. And in these established neighborhoods, that's the only way you're going to get in there. It's not, you know, through an infill lot and a build. It's, you know, you're just waiting for um, that opportunity to come up. Yeah. And that reminds me, I was over in the Bethel community with clients the other day near Lake Logan, and that's, uh, you know, a pretty desirable area. Things move fairly quickly over there. And we were the first showing there and the first offer in hand. And so I was excited because I was like, oh, in real estate, it's always the best to be the first or maybe the last offer um, because you have the chance of taking it off the market before it goes into that uh, multiple bid situation. Um, and so I'm talking to the seller seller's agent and she gets back to me and she's like, oh, you know what? My, uh, my client is actually, you know, at the, at the beach until Tuesday. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so my whole strategy just went out the window right then and there, but, um, there is a benefit to jumping on things quick and, and moving fast. Uh, it's just rare that all the pieces come together perfectly so mm-hmm. that you can be that, that first offer. So a little disappointed by that one. I think 80% of the offers I've submitted, the sellers have been at the beach. Because I, you know, I go through that scenario, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, you want to do it, you want to put the best one in there. And sometimes, like, yeah, we don't want to fuss with everything. We won't, don't want to continue getting out of the house. Let's just go ahead and get this, cancel the showings, get it done. And then you get it submitted, and then you hear that, and you tell your buyers, and they're like, why the heck did they plan a beach trip <laughs> when they're trying to sell their house? Like, we're not going to get an answer till Tuesday. Yep. Um, ultimately, these people, you know, listed their house right before a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense. But then also you want to get out of town. You don't want to have to say, I want to get out of the house at 11 to 12, 2 to 3, uh-huh. 5 to 7. Like, that's not a fun way to live your life. So if you can get out of town whenever you're listing your house, yeah, that's ideal. Yeah, pro tip, if, if you're a, a future seller, tell your agent that you want to take a beach trip when they're showing your house for at least that first weekend because it's going to be uh, kind of a, a mess with people coming in and out. And really, that's what your agent's for. They should be able to handle, you know, that traffic for you and allow you to relax during the stressful parts. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you touched on months of supply. Can you kind of delve into what's a healthy market and why that figure is important? Like I'd say the this change isn't very significant, but I think, you know, most, most people don't understand what a month's supply means and what is a good figure that maybe buyers want to see and what sellers want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. A month's supply is interesting. You, you basically, if, if we didn't get any more houses on the market from this point on, I think the current stat was for Buncombe County, 1.2 months. That's how long we would last before we just ran out of inventory. Um, and so that's not necessarily, uh, super healthy. Um, I don't know that I know off the top of my head what the number would be for a healthy month supply. Do you know, Tyler? Six months. Six months. Six months is when you begin to see that buyer's market coming into play. Uh, whenever there's that amount of inventory, Mm -hmm. that's where you conclude to be a buyer's market. Wow. I can't even fathom, uh, what six months of inventory would look like, uh, being that the last two years has been. Um, under, you know, 2.5 or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think pre COVID we were sitting right around three. Yeah. Let's see the last three years. All right. I guess our last high was around, uh, 2019 at, uh, a, a seven was the high, uh, seven, seven months of supply in, in 2019, just pre COVID. And then it was kind of a, it's been downhill since. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that number trend in one particular direction. And a lot of people are just kind of expecting for everything just to, you know, really begin to shift and push and just, uh, you know, really gain some momentum. But when you kind of look at that figure, you know, 1.2, we were at 1.1, 1. 1, 
we're looking for six months for buyers to really have some increased leverage in the market. Like you'll still see some more leverage as, you know, less multiple offer scenarios come into play. Um, but <clears throat> considering we're so far out from that, um, and we would need that influx of inventory. And that's what I've been reading about <clears throat> a lot lately is where is that going to come from? You know, previous in 2008 that came because people didn't have equity. You know, you bought a home a year ago. Mm-hmm. You have tons of equity already, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. that's not something people can normally say. So, you know, unless you're in that past, you know, three month range, maybe where you're not seeing as explosive uh, growth and equity and appreciation, then you know you're looking at a lot of people in this market, even people that have refied um, with a lot of equity, because most companies, most mortgage servicers are not allowing you to cash out refi more than. 65, 70, maybe max out at 80% uh, if all other factors look good. So you're still looking at people in the market with 20% equity. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot of over leveraged sellers. So where is the inventory going to come from? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I don't, with interest rates being as high, you know, a lot of people, I'm trying to remember what the stat was that I heard, uh, but there's a huge percent of people that have great interest rates. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I don't know what the situation is, but if you're just like, oh, I want to move because I could use an extra bedroom, you know, it, I could see people waiting mm-hmm. because they don't want to inherit a higher interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're a buyer out there right now, like don't be defeated by that because they're higher right now, but they're not necessarily high. We're just coming off of a period of extremely low interest rates that were abnormal. Um, so everything's going to look a little bit higher, but these aren't unreasonable interest rates either. You know, we're seeing 5.5 uh, numbers around there. And, you know, I originated a mortgage, I think, in 2017. And, you know, that's where I was right around there. Um, it's not, you know, unhealthy. And if they do dip back down, um, I think most mortgage lenders will recommend that you try to get like a point decrease uh, mm-hmm. in order for it to be valid for you to refi, especially if you tend to be there for a long period of time. Um, so that's what you still have the option to do if you buy now you know interest rates drop in a year two years inflation's under control uh they feel like they can kind of dial that back you know that's always an option too yeah yeah you got any other figures for us there uh the last one i was going to mention is just showings per listing and i figure this is kind of helpful for anyone who is actively selling their house and they're just wondering you know why is my house not selling um so the the amount of showings uh, uh, per listing before it, it goes in our contract in um, in March. Let's not look at March. Let's look at May. May was um, 10 showings, and now it's bumped down to 8.5, which is interesting. So we're actually seeing a downward trend there from 10.3 showings uh, to now 8.7, sorry, in Buncombe County. I was looking at the entire MLS. Um, so with that, you know, if you're a seller and you've, you know, had your property only shown four times, you're like, why is this not selling? Uh, hold on to hope because, you know, the the average is significantly higher than that. So yeah. sometimes it just takes more than a handful of showings. And I think one thing to consider is <clears throat> we're having a lot more buyers from out of state purchase and with things cooling a little bit, you know, this time last year, I'd say, hey, well, before you travel, let's put this thing under contract because I would hate for you to travel here and then we, you know, get beat out in a multiple offer scenario. But, you know, with properties sitting a little bit longer, I could say, hey, well, you know, set up some travel. We'll take a look at it in person, make sure it kind of fits the bill. Um, and then we can write something on it. Uh, we can even set up like a half day of showings. Um, whereas before, maybe you'd be like, hey, you know, we just have to, if something fits your criteria, we just have to pop out and see it because unfortunately the, likelihood of us finding two, three properties for us to see in an afternoon that check all your boxes, not super high. I can't remember the last time I showed three properties in a day for a buyer who was ready to write an offer. Yeah. Meaning that there were three properties that fit her criteria or his in that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I would also agree with that. You know, the last time I showed that many homes in a row, it was to somebody that was like, I think I want to move here. Right. Trying to get a feel for Asheville. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's interesting just hearing the news and, and the headlines, it, it kind of makes it seem like the shift is happening um, quickly and mm-hmm. right now. Um, but the data doesn't really show that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it still shows it as a seller's market. It still shows that uh, homes are selling quickly and there's not a huge supply. 
Um, and, and so I, I do think things are starting to shift, but mm-hmm. I think anyone out there who, you know, is a buyer, I don't know that I would uh, necessarily buy into the, the fearful um, idea of just this housing market is, is totally changing incredibly rapidly. Um, I think that um, it's, it's still kind of the same market that we've been looking at and mm-hmm. it hasn't changed significantly, at least yet. Yeah. And I th- it's not something that's going to move fast when it does. Um, this isn't related to a crisis like our previous one was. Um, with this, we've noticed a housing shortage. Um, as a buyer, yes, you're getting into the market right now. You have a slightly higher interest rate appreciation has occurred. You know, homes that you saw three years ago when you were looking are more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a way for you to control your rent, you know, your cost of living. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to continue to see our market grow in markets across the country. Like, you know, rents are getting expensive yeah. at very fast rates. I think Austin is one of the highest appreciating rental markets, 50% year over year. Uh, Miami is another one that's similar figure, 50%, 50-ish percent. Um, so that's crazy. And, you know, the only way for you to be able to really kind of, you know, hold that down is by purchasing a property, uh, obviously not with like an adjustable rate mortgage, um, expenses, you know, any types of repairs kind of throw a wrench in that, you know, that as a homeowner and, you know, investor, these things come up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did want to, I did want to give a trivia question. I don't know how much time we have. Um, but in light of, Fourth of July, um, I, I had a couple. <laughs> Let's maybe um, just hit them with one at a time. All right, we'll just do one. Um, one of my favorite traditions during the Fourth of July. I don't know if Tyler, you guys have any specific traditions, but my family used to do a hot dog speed eating contest of just one hot dog. Ooh! And we got that from the uh, Nathan Hot Dog uh, Annual Competition. Yeah. Uh, and, and in my family and a small group of friends, I have won just about every year. So really? just to brag on myself on the radio here, I can eat a hot dog pretty quickly. Are you going to post a video for the radio? <laughs> <laughs> I might. I might. Yeah, my Instagram, uh, Will D. Morrison. Um, maybe that'll jump on there later. But um, so in light of that, uh, who has won the Nathan Annual Hot Dog Contest 14 times out of the last 15 years? Will Morrison. <laughs> If, if you guys haven't seen this before, you guys have to watch a YouTube video of people eating this amount of hot dogs. Um, he's eating 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes, and that's wow. including the buns. Yeah. So, uh, so A, Joey Chestnut. B, Takeru Kabsashi. I, I messed that up. Sorry. C, Ryan Wiley. And D, Matt Stoney. So if you know who is arguably the best hot dog eater of our time, let us know. It's A, Joey Chestnut, B, Takaru Kabshabshi, C, Ryan Wiley, and D, Matt Stoney. Give us a call at 828-240-9962. Cool. And I think that might be a good time for us to take a little break. You guys can call in at the turn. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on the first half. And we look forward to seeing you around the bend. From the 570 Weather Center, this is your Weather Channel forecast. Mix of clouds and sunshine for us out here this afternoon. Very warm and humid. Scattered showers and storms possible into this evening. Temperatures climbing up through the middle part of the 80s, upper 60s tonight. Scattered showers and storms in a forecast Sunday. Temperatures tomorrow afternoon reaching highs in the low to mid-80s. And a chance for mainly late-day storms for Independence Day. Highs on Monday up around or just over 80 degrees. I'm meteorologist Ken Boone at the Weather Channel. Make this the year you go to our iHeartRadio Music Festival. Tickets are on sale now at AXS.com. iHeartRadio, let's go! A weekend full of superstar performances, never seen before collaborations, and once-in-a-lifetime moments you'll have to see to believe. Friday, September 23rd and Saturday the 24th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Our 2022 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Buy your tickets now at AXS.com. Hi, this is Rick, and we sold our home with Rowena Patton at All Star Powerhouse. We didn't really want to move, but needed to for my job. Our first realtor didn't listen, didn't care, didn't try. Not a single showing in two months. A friend recommended Rowena. She saw the hard work we'd put into the home, what it meant to us, and what it could mean to someone else. Next thing you know, it's sold. If you need to get your home sold and not just listed, you need to talk with Rowena Patton. Give her a call at 828-333-4483. 
Rowena Patton here at All Star Powerhouse. Sell it now. Don't wait. Call me at 828-333-4483. Don't let real estate pass you by with All Star Powerhouse. This is the Plain English Real Estate Show with Rowena Patton on News Radio 570 WWNC. You know where I want to go Straight down the Mississippi River To the Gulf of Mexico To Lake Charles, Louisiana Little Bessie girl I once knew And she told me just to come on by If there's anything that she could do Up on Cripple Creek She sends me if I spring a leaf No, not yet. I just don't know when the microphones are hot. That's what they say in the business, right? We're hot. You're hot. Yeah, we are hot now. Well, uh, welcome back. Uh, If anybody has an answer to Will's trivia question, uh, we've got some prizes. You get a free beverage at Jargon on Haywood Road in West Asheville. Have you been there, Will? I haven't actually been to Jargon. I've been meaning to. I hear they've got great food, good mixed drinks. I think you've got too many microphones in front of you. You can't decide which one to speak into. Uh-oh, am I echoing? No, no, no. I, <laughs> I just see you If you guys shift. can't see, we've got like six or seven microphones in here. So, you know, really I'm just jumping around. Yeah, hey, get excited. Um, but yeah, awesome restaurant. Um, it's a little bit more of like a fine dining experience. Um, or you can head down to Sunshine Trading Co. Down by 12 Bones, Free Mask. Um, and I think those are our prizes. Uh, perhaps we could leverage one partially free tubing trip with Will Morrison on Monday, him and all of his buddies. Uh, you can tag along. They'll yeah, have a cooler. Absolutely. Um, I can't be- say it's going to be free beer, and I can't say we'll bring you a tube, but uh, <laughs> you can definitely join us. Uh, grab your tube, grab your beer, and uh, we'll be there. Well, first, you have to answer this question correctly, right? Yeah. All right, we oh, I thought you were going to ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> ask a question again. All right. So here's the question. Who has won the Nathan Annual Hot Dog Contest 14 times out of the last 15 years? A, Joey Chestnut. B, Takeru Kapshobi. C, Ryan Wiley. And D, Matt Stoney. So if you know that... Give us a call. That's an incredible thing to watch. No, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. It's not appetizing though. So wait no, until like not, after no. you've eaten, maybe. Yeah, I'd not say maybe. before. I'm mean, just probably not planning on eating hot dogs. You know, if you're gonna watch that. Yeah, I will say I'll pose this question to both of you guys. What is your favorite Fourth of July treat, like meal or food? It could be a dessert, <laughs> but what is something you feel like you could eat in excess uh, or treat yourself to on the holiday or the weekend? Uh, those crispy critter grilled hot dogs, man. Crispy critter grilled. That sounds I mean, like a grilled possum. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're almost blackened. Okay. There's a stage right there. You go do too far, like marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want it crunchy but not burnt. There you go. Yeah, that's hard to hit. I'm with you. I since we've done that family eating competition, that's something I think about too is, you know, but I'd prefer brats if I could. Okay. Um, and lately I've been eating those beyond burger brats. So mm, it's uh fake meat. Yeah, but they're so good. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I still like the real stuff, but they're not bad. I tried one of those beyond meat burgers and it tasted so much like a burger. It was just disturbing. It's just so <laughs> highly processed. You're like, what, what are we even getting at here? I do wonder the health benefits of those. It's like they're, none, none. they're vegan, but like, what are we, what are we sacrificing? Here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think that's all nonsense, but you know, Whatever you prefer. I like watermelon. That is Ooh. my oh, know, go-to. You're so good. Yes, yeah. that's very good. Are you a seed guy or a non-seed watermelon? Oh, I, I don't um, discriminate. Don't discriminate? I okay. don't discriminate. Um, One um, thing I've gotten into, though, have you heard of that Mexican spice tahin or tahin? It's like T-A-J-I-N. Don't tell me you're about to put it on the watermelon. Oh, yeah. Really? And then you put it on your tecate and a little bit of lime juice. 
Ooh, you're in business. <laughs> yep. Then yep. you want to go float the river, right? Exactly. <laughs> Is this ha- Does this happen on board? <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys packing some watermelons? Well, we do have watermelon in the refrigerator. I've not spoken to Lee of whether or not it's making it on the vessel, but I think it should. And, think it should. Yeah. and the little container of talking, yeah. and we'll be in business. Maybe we could sell it. Try our entrepreneurial oh, arts go. on the French bar. You know, three point eight billion is rookie numbers. I'm sure we could at least bring it up to three point eight billion and ten dollars just yeah. through oh our watermelon God. sales. Right. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like there's a need for it though. If you have floated the French broad literally halfway, you're like, Man, I'm hot, I need more sunscreen, I need something to drink, and I'm a little hungry. Yeah. It's right when the uh the mood goes from high to like a okay. All right, we're still floating. We bring That's sub sandwiches. That's when we come in. Oh, you know what I mean? That's yeah. when we're there. We have got sunscreen. We've mm-hmm. got cold water, you know, whatever they need. Yeah. I'm telling you guys. So we have sub sandwiches, but we pack them and shoot them out with like a uh, wrist rocket, but like a larger size, you know, <laughs> with those things that you rocket water balloons out or like t-shirts at stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we can grab sandwiches and shoot them out. Uh, we couldn't really probably do too much like customization to orders because uh, yeah. that would be challenging. We right? could do a uh, water... Water balloons as well. That way, if people were hot, we could just hit them with a water balloon. The thing is that they're already in water, though. Yeah, but you know, you know how it is. If you're in your lawn chair on your inner tube, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you might not be getting too wet. This is true. <laughs> I don't see Tyler moving too fast. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I want to play Dave Matthews Band. Don't drink the water. <laughs> yeah, that, that's appropriate. That's appropriate when you're in the French broad. That's for sure. But it has gotten much cleaner. It's just uh, on a daily today. Definitely don't drink it. Um, but other great things to do on 4th of July, uh, Sunday, they've got a tourist game, tourist game. They'll have fireworks. Uh, I don't think we're particularly great this year from what I've heard. Mm. I cannot confirm or deny that, but, um, have you been to a tourist game yet? Yeah, I've been to uh, a couple at this point. Nice. Uh, the last one I went to was a, gosh, honestly, I can't remember who we played, uh, but they were doing, um, Four dollar beers or something. It was cheaper than okay. normal. Well, maybe it was a thirsty, thirsty Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was thirsty Thursday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, it's a great time. Um, we recently renewed our contract, and I think extended. I think with the Astros, uh, we used to be an affiliate team with the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there was a lot of minor league teams looking at getting cut. Um, yeah, it's just not necessarily a super lucrative business. So I think a lot of teams or a lot of cities lost their. Uh, minor league baseball teams oh that's so sad because yeah. they're so fun to go to and yeah you know they're great for everybody to and our park here is historic it's beautiful yeah. yeah yeah i would like to see attendance go but every time i've gone there i'm like man i wish more people were going to these i, I feel like they're missing out yeah i i saw some stats recently they had a sellout and then that's like 4700 oh, really? people and they recently had a sellout i guess it depends on the get when is it a weekend game or a weeknight or whatever? But anyway, they they are still selling tickets and good. Love it. Yeah. Love tourist baseball. Yeah, exactly. I love sports in the area. We've got the uh, soccer team. Have you been to any of the soccer teams, Randy? No, I haven't. Ooh, yeah. Asheville City Blues. Really good time. They're back at Memorial Field, so uh, right behind the tourist stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really kind of made a pretty good name for themselves. I think they've already moved up in division, hmm. um, and they've been very competitive. Um, and we've got a big soccer community here, so it's kind of fit in just well with our uh, local Asheville area. Yeah. Another thing people can do is there is a, a rodeo in, I want to say, Marshall. Okay. Um, yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's a good 4th of July activity. Yep. You know. It's this weekend uh, sometime. Uh-huh. Yeah. My, uh, my wife used to race barrels. Really? Uh-huh. And it was something I didn't learn about until we had dated for like three months. And she was wow. like, can I go horseback riding? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Let's go horseback riding. I am a terrible horseback rider. I uh, don't know how to make them turn left or stop. Um, but you can make them turn right? You can make them turn right, okay. yeah. yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but she jumps on a horse, and she is, I'm not kidding, like a horse whisperer. She can make the horse just spin in circles. She can make it sprint and then slide its back legs to a stop. Uh, very impressed. Wow. I think I fell in love that day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've been in a bullfight once. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. In Mexico, it was a few years ago. Uh, my current wife almost left me when I got into the ring, but it was like a... A carnival bullfight, and there was like about twenty people in the ring, and they would gesture the bull towards them, and then you know the other <laughs> side would try to you know, rear him back to the other direction. Uh, it so was, when you say bullfight, I'm thinking of the guy with the the red cape and the bulls. You know how out was it similar to that? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple people with capes in there, but there was like two barriers, one on each side, 
and basically two teams of people would like run in there and once they was going at the other group of people the other group would then progress towards the bull and try to gesture it some were getting as close to touching it uh, to urge it over to the other side and it has has horns yes, yes. full size full size Wow. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you killing my story about getting my hair braided in Jamaica, but I ain't never <laughs> got, to, I ain't never fought no bulls. I can't say we fought, but I hopped in there and I ran around with them and it was a blast. My wife, Lee, was not pleased with me, though. <laughs> I'm surprised Lee didn't jump in there. I would have thought she would have. Rally those bulls. Yeah. She was not very, you know comfortable with me making it out of there alive i guess <laughs> hey it's the 57th annual marshall rodeo and fireworks uh going on all weekend today tomorrow and monday wow Fine. so i wonder what all events they have at the radio rodeo do you know i think they have the whole shimoli the barrel racing and bull riding bull bronc riding. riding yeah 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 the, i know i know a fun event with families is they'll put all the little kids out into a uh, yeah out into the field yeah. and you'll wrestle a sheep down oh yeah or try to ride a sheep i don't know how it goes <laughs> yeah i think both who knows <laughs> they are a good time yeah yeah I've, I've never been to a local rodeo maybe once before down at the agricultural center but where do they host them in marshall that's up at the fairgrounds right off highway 2570 starts about 5 30 each afternoon i think okay very cool well hopefully the rain holds out for that mm-hmm. um i think they've got a big little festival and big little festival uh great sentence tyler uh in weaverville i think they've got like a little thing on main street where yeah, they're gonna they have do. some fireworks some music fireworks yeah, yeah. everyone in weaverville comes out yeah yeah they it's shoot shoulder, the fireworks shoulder, down at uh the lake uh the, I can't think of the name. Louise, of Lake, Lake Louise. Louise. Thank yep. you. Yep. Yes. Yeah, it's. I was there last year. It's actually a really impressive little fireworks show. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, there you go. Impressive little. I don't know. That seems like an oxymoron. Well, I, I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in Johnson City. We don't uh, take our fireworks shows lightly oh, there. Yeah. So, oh, so you, it doesn't quite touch that one, but um, it's it's still it's still strong effort. Okay. And I think Asheville does their own. I think that went on hold for a little while, but they're back they're to doing back fireworks at Pack Place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and with all this rain, I think everybody should be able to go out with their fireworks in full force. You know, there we go. Yeah, no wildfire concerns. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, but outside of that, you know, any other Fourth of July focuses you think people could take advantage of here in the Asheville area? Mm. You know, I I think you know if you live in Asheville, it's always a great place to jump on a, a mountain bike, road bike, gravel bike. Just do some biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I, we jumped on our, our gravel bike the other day and rode from basically Patton Avenue into uh, Lee Sester and then kind of back towards Haywood Street. And we passed probably eight or nine breweries on the way. So it's, you know, you can either take that as a workout or you can take it as kind of a, a bruise cruise. You um, passed them or stopped in? <laughs> we stopped at one. Okay. We did. Okay. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, but just, just one this time. But that's always a good time. Um, Fly fishing too. I was up at the uh, up uh, at Lake Logan, just above that, and the fish were just recently stocked. They looked happy and ready to eat. So if you guys are fly fishermen, I think it's a or women, it's a great time to get out and go fishing. Yeah, one of my tenants just sent me something he caught. It was like a seven point seven rainbow trout, seven point seven pound. No, it was a monster. Ooh. Where? Uh, the Raven in Cherokee. What? Yeah, stocked right, surely. I don't know. I, to be honest, I think uh, I couldn't tell you. I'm that not, sounds like a bass to me. Are you sure it wasn't a bass? I'm, I'm currently looking it up so <laughs> you can confirm. So <clears throat> Will doesn't have many tattoos. I think he just has one. Um, but he has one line on his arm, and it's so he can measure what a large fish looks like. Uh, I'm currently uh, it's definitely definitely stocked stock trout there. How do you how do you know wow. that's a stock trout? You can tell on their uh, their fins. You okay. know, if you grew up in a concrete container, you'll notice that the fins will wear over time, and they just don't have the uh, sharp uh, points to their fin, the, the uh, sharp detail. If okay. You will. So I just thought that was maybe due to age, but you're telling me that's from growing up in a concrete container. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I thought he had just seen some things growing to, f- to seven point <laughs> pounds, which he probably has. And to finish Tyler's story, uh, I feel a little weird that he's outed me on the radio that I have a tattoo. But since we're talking about it, it's a 20 inches from the tip of my finger to about my elbow, and it tells me it's a it tells me if if a fish is more or less than 20 inches so really it's a it's a measuring stick yeah. i used to be a fly fishing guide 
um, for a period of time and, you know, people would catch fish and we could measure it right there yeah. on my arm. Yeah. So, you know, if you got a real good one or if it's just a, you know, smaller fish, right? yeah, not something you're necessarily take advantage of with a photo or maybe <laughs> you have to impose the photo to make it look a little bit bigger or just tell a story about it and don't take any pictures. And practically speaking, trying to hold a fish and using your arm as the form of measurement is not <laughs> very practical. So I, I can't say I do it too often, but the idea is, was a, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fishing's a good thing. Uh, this weekend, once again, probably with all this rain, you wouldn't recommend people go out fly fishing. It's probably yeah, probably be not. A probably going to be a little murky. You really yeah. want the, the clear water. Uh, ideal if you can see like two feet of, of of depth, that's that's ideal. So if you put your feet in the water and you still see your toes, that's a good thing. Ah, that's a nice little tip. Yep. Unfortunately, you're too late if you get there and you stick your feet in and you're like, <laughs> shoot, I can't see my toes. Today's not the day. Pack it up. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Okay, well, those are some great ideas. Um, and then you wanted to, let's talk about uh, renovations while we're here. You know, you've got a kitchen renovation, and I feel like we can just kind of touch on that before we end the show. Sure. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that want to get into these projects, whether or not they're bathrooms, kitchens, living rooms. Um, I think you could probably share some tidbits of advice that you would lend to somebody else or, you know, you three months ago. Uh, before you got on this project and say, these are some things that I would probably do differently. Mm. Um, what do you think you've learned so far? Or what would you tell anybody that's beginning to get into a project like that? Sure. Well, I would, uh, and since this is a real estate show, I would definitely ask yourself, why are you renovating? Um, is it because you want a nicer space? Do you live in that space? Um, or are you doing it to sell? Um, how big is this renovation going to be? Uh, does your neighborhood allow for a renovation of that size? Like, will you get your money back out of it? You know, and if it checks all those boxes, I say, you know, heck yeah, let's renovate. Um, so we're, so when you just kind of touch on this, you say, will I get my money out of this? Like, you know, my neighborhood, what's that mean? So for example, I have a client who wanted to offer on a house that was a three bedroom, two bath. It was 1500 square feet and they wanted to add 500 square feet um, in another bedroom, in another bathroom. So I looked at the comps for that area and there was not a single other four bedroom house in that area within three miles, um, nor at that amount of square footage. So um, if they did that, there's a chance that people wouldn't pay the amount for that house after the renovations were done, just mm -hmm. because there weren't comps to um, support it. Yeah, yeah, and you never want <clears throat> to necessarily be the nicest home in a neighborhood. Uh, if you have, you know, some really nice homes in the neighborhood and some room for upward improvement for your home, um, then you're not necessarily going to price yourself out of the neighborhood. But that's what kind of what Will's alluding to is you can price yourself out of a neighborhood. You can maybe finish a home too well or add too much space to it to where you're not necessarily going to get that um, return that you might be hoping. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for our our um, remodel, we're just doing the, the kitchen um, and if you've listened to any of our other conversations, I uh, do what's called house hacking, which is where we actually rent at the bottom to tenants. Um, so our goal with this property is for it to be just a long-term rental in the future. Um, and so my renovation strategy is let's put as little money into this house as possible, uh, but make it a really nice place to live. Um, because my wife and I might be there for you know another year, uh, maybe two. Um, and so we want to enjoy the space, but we also want to renovate without spending all of our money. Mm -hmm. um, kitchen renovations, on average, I want to say, are like thirty to forty-five thousand dollars. Wow! Um, and so we are not spending that kind of money. Um, but what we are doing is we're kind of hitting the the things that matter. So countertops, mm -hmm. uh, people really appreciate a countertop that uh, is durable, low maintenance. Um, Ours is currently made of wood. Um, I know that the wood countertops look really good, but uh, wood and water don't uh, do well together over a long period of time. And so I'm replacing those with, with granite. Okay. Um, and initially when I started, it's like, okay, let's get rid of the countertops, which then leaves the, the cabinets. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, the cabinets would be ruined. So it's like, okay, well, let's replace the cabinets. Um, and then, you know, then you've got the floor. And the, that's the only time the floor is exposed, which is which is tile that's it's coming up in parts. It's like, okay, well, let's just go ahead and get rid of the tile. And then I get rid of the tile, and then I'm looking at the subfloor, and there's rot in sections. And so now it's like, okay, well, let's get rid of the subfloor and replace that. So the list just keeps going and going. But eventually, you know, once you get all that up, it's just kind of reinstalling things and piecing it back together. So I think all in all, it's going to be a fairly affordable um, um, renovation because I'm doing most of it myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I think it'll really improve the space for my wife and I, and then, you know, in the future, whoever lives there next. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing is, is like, whenever you get into one of these projects, you can prepare all you want, but just like Will said, you know, you start uncovering things or you start seeing, especially if it's an old home. Yeah. Homeowner specials is what I call them. You know, a lot of times we take these things into our own hands and, you know, the people that buy Will's house in the future and they tear his kitchen apart, the things that they're going to see when they see the, how he <laughs> built this kitchen, they're going to say, man, I think I could tell this was not permitted. <laughs> this guy was not a pro. <laughs> this was not a pro. But you, you run into these things, you're like, oh, well, you know, now I'm ripping up the subfloor. So that scope, you know, expands and expands. And you just have to be prepared whenever you're diving into older homes. Will looks pretty offended as I'm staring at him right now that I called him out. But um, as you get into these older homes, you have to be prepared for what you're going to find. A lot of times it is rot, um, you know, whether or not that sink had been leaking for a while with the previous owner and, you know, you don't really feel it until it's a real significant problem. But um, whenever you start pulling up floors, hardwood floors, tile floors, a lot of times you find, you know, destroyed subfloor. And I would say that it's normal. You know, any used house, unless it's a brand new home, is going to have those issues. You know, like a sink leaking behind a cabinet is not something a lot of people might notice because yeah. it might just slide right underneath the, the back of the sink and then into the subfloor and it won't even, you know, get the floor wet. So, you know, I don't think I was absolutely surprised by it, but um, I, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. When you buy a house, uh, you're going to find things that don't show up on an inspection because an inspector just can't see that kind of stuff unless he's in there tearing up the house, which is not what you want an inspector to be doing. Well, they can't. Like even like personal items, they can say, hey, these things were in my way. Like I cannot inspect this space and I can't, you know, move it. And it's because of liability. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to understand that this is not the end all be all. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the general health of the home, there are a lot of unknowns. You know, they just do a once-over, basically, uh, to give the best, you know, visual inspection, uh, some physical aspects where they can get in there, especially like electrical, take apart the panel and aspects like that. But there's a lot of stuff you just can't see. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's so important to have a good inspector, um, which, you know, your agent should have a couple. Yeah, exactly. Um but, you know, if things go unnoticed or missed uh, in the future, you know, you can't necessarily hold it against them either because these things happen. Um, you know, Manuel inspected your home. He didn't know your subfloor was damaged, but you couldn't see it from the bottom because it was all drywalled in and tile on top. So, mm -hmm. you know. yep. um, yeah, so I think we just have a couple more minutes. Anything else you want to touch on? I don't think so. Okay. Well, while we just roll through and come up to the close, I'll run in through a couple of our listings that we have coming soon. We do have 211 Almond Branch Drive. It is in Hendersonville, North Carolina, right outside of Mills River. It is $899,900 for a 3-3-2900 square feet on basically an acre in Skytop Farm, which is a gated community. Um, so take a look at our website, mountainhomehunt.com. Take a look at that property. Uh, and then we've got another coming soon property. It is 311 9th Street in Black Mountain. Uh, nice older home, 1978, 31.3 acres, uh, almost $400,000 for 1,100 square feet. Beautiful home. It looks like it's been you know, renovated within past 10 years probably. Uh, we should have some additional photos, but thank you guys for hanging out with us and have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Thank you for joining me, Will. This has been the Plain English Real Estate Show with Rowena Patton. Visit Rowena and post your questions at RadioAsheville.com or call her at 828-210-1648.